Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today we're going to talk about the divide between what seems like a divide between business and matters of the heart, people who are love-motivated and people who are money-motivated. We're going to touch on that. And today my guest is my wonderful, dear friend, somebody I love dearly. His name is... Daniel Leviathan, and he's a thought leader, an entrepreneur who achieved business success at a very young age. And today, after returning from a long spiritual and shamanic journey, Daniel focuses on building bridges between different worlds, integrating a state of freedom and aliveness as a way of being, and as he says, as a culture. So Daniel, welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thank you, Laurie. It's great to be here and to see you and to meet with you again. And from the heart of Tel Aviv, from Phoenix, oh, yeah. from Phoenix Arizona to Tel Aviv, here we are. Yeah, uh, yeah. About this. So you had, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you were like in school, when you were younger and in school, did you know you were going to be a tremendous business success? Is that what you were <laughs> focused on when you were a kid? Yeah, so actually when I was at school, actually when I was at, when I was six years old, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even five actually, I was in, in the kindergarten and I was so hyperactive, I couldn't sit for a moment. And my parents were told that if I go to a regular school, I would have to take a lot of Ritalin so that I will be able to sit and quietly. And right. they were really... Yeah, they wanted to drive me, and my parents were really not into that. So we moved from the from the center of Israel to the north, and I went to a very a special place. Actually, it's, the name is uh, its name is Mitar, and it's it was it wasn't really a school even. Um, so I can't really say that I was at school. It was like a a place in the middle of a forest and on the mountains, the Carmel Mountains, and there were no classes and no teachers, and I would get there by 8, and we would meditate. We would meditate for 30 minutes, and then I wouldn't know what I will do. There was no schedule, and it was really focused on... Now I'm realizing that it was so much focused actually on entrepreneurship and creativity and being able to move um, in an unknown environment and create our own reality but back then I didn't know that was it and I just lived uh, that way that's cool wow that says a lot I mean that says (laughs) a lot about who you are today and it says a lot about your parents and how forward thinking they were to um, instead of giving you a medication which so many parents they don't know what else to do so they give their children medication and your parents had the wherewithal maybe financially or whatever, but they also had this. Like they had the smarts to be able to say, we're not going to drug our son 
we're going to give him a different kind of an opportunity. Like that's like, I, you know, I want to, I'm ringing the bell for you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's, so yeah. cool. that's really so cool. So how long were you in a school like that? I was there for six years until I was 12. And when I was 12, I, I was just very curious. And I, and I remember that I felt that I wanted to, to, to know what's out there. And then I told my parents, look, I, I'm curious and I want to know. And then they were like, well, now that it's coming from you, then let's do it. And I remember, you know, that the first day uh, in that regular school, I didn't know how to read or write. Uh, except for a few words uh, like dad, mom, and in Hebrew, of course. And um, I didn't really know math at all. And I remember that day that I was sitting in the classroom and the teacher was writing on the board. And for me, it looked like she was drawing something. And I, I was hearing the pencils, you know, the other kids uh, and their, the, the sound. And I just couldn't make that sound. I didn't know how to to take that into my my notebook, um, and that was how it began. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. I mean, because when we fast forward, not too fast, because you don't have that many years on the planet. <laughs> not that many. When we fast forward to like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, when you had to go into the armed forces, when you went into the Israeli army the army you went into right yeah so when you went in there you you excelled you became like a artificial intelligence expert you became like how did how give us the segue like how did it happen, <laughs> how did it happen from i'm 12 i don't know how to read or write to i'm 20 or 18 or whatever and i and i'm like i'm the head of everything you know like yeah. I, I i take charge yeah, so I was, I remember that I was very curious always, like even back then when I was sitting in class and I didn't really know how to read it, but I was curious, like the teacher would, would tell us about history or the Bible or geography and I was just so curious to learn all this. So I um, remembered it, I memorized it and, and then I was um, I was telling it to my mom and that, that way I learned, I was studying uh, for the tests and also starting to read and to write. Um, and I think that that curiosity has really led me to being able to learn um, uh, very fast things because I didn't learn things because I had to. I learned things because I was just so curious about learning them. Yeah. Uh, and I had my own methods because I've never been, you know, like implemented a specific method that was implemented by uh, by school but i had to create my own method of learning things and doing things so it was very specific to my uh, specific skills and qualities and talents so that really helped and i also think that i was very creative uh, with like um i used to to be in a space where i don't really know what was going to happen and also in business or in the army it was that same quality that they were looking for. That guy that we can throw him anywhere and he would somehow know what to do. And so I had that practice from an early age and that really helped. Yeah, and, not, and you didn't have fear. 
So, you know, you like they didn't instill fear in you. They said, okay, you can yeah. do whatever you want. So you didn't have, I mean, because I, when I met you, you were, you know, you were on your way to, uh, you were in ISTA level two, uh, you were in ISTA level two participating in Germany. We were in Berlin. And then I met you again in Sweden and you were assisting me at an ISTA level one. And on, you were on your way to, an island by yourself. I forgot where it is. Like mm-hmm. I think it's Norway, but you tell me it's Finland. Where Where yeah. is it? It was Finland. It was in it the was archipelago of Finland. Yeah, and so you were in. So you were going to Finland to an island by yourself, and you had that same curiosity. You didn't have any fear. I was afraid you were going to starve. Well, you gave me some apple cider vinegar and some protein bars. <laughs> So you were assisting me there. I took up a collection. I said to everybody, everybody at the place in Sweden, I said, if anybody has any leftover food, candy bars, protein bars, cereal, whatever, anything that was, that wasn't particularly perishable. I said, please give it to Daniel because he's going away for a month on an Island by himself where they don't have anything. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. And I was frightened, but you had no fear. Yeah. Or maybe you did, but it, I mean, uh, it, you know, your curiosity was bigger than your fear. Yeah, I, I guess my curiosity was bigger than my fear. And there was a part of me that, that was like, um, that is how I'm willing to live. And I'm, I cannot see myself living uh, in a different way of not doing things because I fear. Like, I didn't want to live a life uh, in which I don't really live to the fullest and do the things that I'm really feeling called to do because of fear. So although there was sometimes fear, and also during that time on the island, there were times when I was when I was scared, when I was frightened, um, but... But that curiosity and that that deep knowing and has really led me to do that. So this leads to a great question: Why are people afraid to love? Like people who like are in pursuit of money, power, and control. It feels to me like there there's like either or. People are in this pursuit of money, power, and control. They want to take charge. They want to control everything. And love, they don't yeah. feel, if it, people in pursuit of love feel like a different group of people. Like it doesn't feel like those two groups marry. You know, like I, I don't mean marry in the sense of marriage, but I mean marry yeah. like in the same. Yeah. yeah. So why do you think people are afraid to love? Yeah, I think in the end, it comes down to, to survival. Like, we have that um, um, that culture or that mindset that is installed in in, in us uh, from such a young age of survival, and and I really see it like a cycle that starts from some threat, um, something threatens us, and then it leads to a reaction to some action, and then we do that action, and we either go get it, it happens and it works, or it doesn't. But if it does. We go to a place of safety, and then there is always another threat. Um, so I keep on going with that. And the safety is before maybe a few thousand years ago, that place of safety was food or shelter. 
now for many people it's money um, or more, you know, more uh, investment uh, um, accounts or um, or real estate or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. Um, then there's okay. So that's one mindset, and then there's people who just say, "I'm going to love no matter what." There's people who learn that. There's people who go. Okay, there's two things. There's like people who just like are so loving. They always are. Their whole life they're loving. Like they would rather love and risk it all than be in power and control. And then there's a whole group of people who get into power and control. They get everything they want. And they go, it sucks. There's yeah. nothing here. It's empty. And then they yeah. Turn. They turn. Yeah. And that point, you know, that point, it's like yeah. it's it's some. It's like a mountaintop, you know, which happens either when you're at the top, you get everything you have dreamt of, or you get nothing. But that point of really realizing that it doesn't matter whatever I get, it's not there. I don't really care. Nothing matters in life. And we get to say, and I had that experience as well of feeling like, fuck, nothing matters in, in, in life. And nothing really motivates me. I don't really care about doing that project or that thing because what will I get from it? And I think from that, that deep, that deep sadness sometimes or deep place of hopelessness, um, we start to be able to listen because our mind kind of gives up, you know, we give up of that mind that plans and, and has these, these thoughts and, and, and hopes. And we don't have that hope anymore that something that I will get will make me happy. So the mind uh, gets calmer and calmer. And we start to sense the small uh, beauties of life, you know, whether it's a flower or a music or someone that we love. And we realize that, oh, actually, I just want to, I just want to love. And I just, and I'm with my family and suddenly I don't really care about their bullshit and my bullshit and their stories and my stories, but I just want to love them. Because that's what matters, and and that is, I think, that part, that moment that we kind of move into these other um, points of view. So one could say that you are very fortunate in that you did realize this, you know, that love is what matters at a very young age. Now you were written up in Forbes magazine. How long ago? Age twenty-one or something. Uh, yeah, 20, 21, like about two or long. three years ago. Yeah, not yeah. too long. Now, why did Forbes pick you out? Why were you Why were you put on some list or mentioned in Forbes magazine? And what happened as a result of that? And what were you doing? Because it's like, that's not what you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, first, I really don't like... Yeah, well, maybe I will get this later, but I don't really see necessarily that separation um, between what I did and what I do. But um, but I guess they I was um, I had a strategy of, of um, quite a big company in Israel uh, with 400 employees and, and millions of dollars in revenues, and um, and I was pretty young, um, still quite young, but I was even younger then. <laughs> and um, I guess they, they heard about this, this story um, from my CEO and other people. And um, one day I just got a phone call. Um, yeah. 
So they put you, they, and what did they say? You were like up, up and coming people to watch? Uh, people in the they world? Call it, it's called the Forbes 30 under 30. It's like the 30 most um, influential people under the age of 30. They do it in different countries. And that opened up you going to various, you were part of some conferences. You spoke at, at various things. I know you went to Berlin. Yeah. 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 And, but then you had this radical change. I mean, it, it may not be that you feel the separation. I don't feel the separation personally. I, I mean, I always, personally, I always felt, I don't know if I always felt, but once I saw business for what it was, I felt that if I put the stuff I was doing into business, into the business world, they, because of the profit motive, they would be the people to make the innovations and the changes fast. Yeah. Faster than if I put it into the, like the hippie world, you know, yeah. my friends who were hippies, they didn't, they think earning money is evil. They think, um, they have all these beliefs. They think, yeah. uh, you know, you, you sell out to the man, you know, they have all, <laughs> <laughs> they have all uh, these phrases, and I always felt I always felt spiritual. Like I didn't feel religious. I felt spiritual. I always felt connected. I always felt heart driven. And I had my own business in my twenties. I think when I was twenty seven, I opened my first business. Probably when I was four, I opened my first business. But we that didn't you know that doesn't count. I was teaching kids singing lessons and charging a quarter. For, for singing lessons when I was about four or five. No, well, I was eight when I started my first. I was selling lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was... I, I didn't know about singing. I just said I'd do yeah. it. But, um, but I was charging kids money. Mm. And so you were eight when you did it. So, you know, obviously we're both entrepreneurial. But when I went into the corporate world, and I've been in some places, you know, like I went into Raytheon. They made you know, bombs and missiles. And when I went to the bathroom in Matheon, they someone used to have to escort me and I'd have to wear, you know, I'd have to like look straight ahead. I couldn't look at anything that I that was on either side of me because everything was top secret. I had to have a clearance to go in there. I also worked on the submarine base in Groton, Connecticut, the United States Navy submarine base. And I was teaching like very high level government employees and that's where the training took place. And there I couldn't look around either. I could never mm-hmm. look left or right. But I always felt like if I put the good stuff that I was teaching into those people, mm-hmm. they would become conscious. Yeah. And if they became conscious, something different would happen there. Now that might yeah. just be a pipe dream, but that's what I felt. And I've always had one foot in business and one foot in spiritual evolution or the love culture or whatever. So here you are and you, you don't see a separation, but you did go on a, uh, a quest. We could call what you, where you went a vision quest sort of, you know, I don't know if you would call it that, but you, you know, you, you found, uh, a spiritual, sexual, shamanic training. And from there, I don't know if you found that, you know, that was the first thing, but from there you went on this vision quest and you just got back recently from New Zealand. So 
So what was it that you were going to find out? Or was it the same curiosity that you had always from be before? There's no difference for you. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was really um, after I did the, uh, my first uh, ISA training, uh, it was in Betoran two years ago. Um, I was really in some place where many of the things that I did were very, very successful. And as you said, I was kind of like ahead of, of, of so many things. And uh, it was a very bright future and with different opportunities. And I was really starting to look forward and asking myself, like, let's say that everything that I do really works out the best as it can. And let's say that I'm having millions of, or hundreds of millions or more, and I'm the head of whatever, and I have a family and I have a wife and I have a home and I have another house and I have a plan or whatever. Yeah. And I'm 40. <laughs> and what, what, what do I do? Like, I'm 40 now. What do I do? And the, the, um, and what I realized this, uh, it was, it was to really go away and into the unknown. Because back then, although I did many things, I was, I was in strategy, you know, I was a strategic um, consultant and a, and a manager. And what I did was to support people with planning the future. Um, and that was what I was doing and I was paid for it. And I realized that I actually need to go to the other direction of being in complete unknown and see what emerges from that. And I also realized that um, I was living so much in the future, you know, back then. Although my life on, you know, on the paper looked great. I had money and I had friends and I had a partner and I had so many things, but I was always living in the future. There was always the next thing to get. And I knew that when I get the next thing, there will be another. And, I, and when I'm in the future, I will actually be in the future of the future. I will never really live. And then I was like, okay, that is not how I want my life to be like. Mm. Um, then how do I? And I try to, you know, read books or watch videos or ask people, but I realized that although there is so much wisdom there, I need to, it needs to be experienced. Like in life needs to be experienced and I need to take myself into places where I really experience things that I don't even know um, that they exist. So this was really the motive of, of mm -hmm. asking myself, how do I want to live my life and what life can be like? So now, I mean, I, I, there's a few things. Like I experience you as not having separation. Like I don't, my experience of you is that you don't feel separation about anything. You know, I once said to you, I wish I met you when I, when I was in my 20s, and you said, you met me now. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and you didn't see any separation between our ages. I've seen you not seen any, see any separation between you and, like, anyone, like, if you really have a feeling about them. I, I've seen you be that way. So that's very rare. Most people, like, create separation. Like, they say, oh, I'm different from you, and I'm this, and I'm that. And I have – I'm – so to, so far to experience, I've never seen you, in my experience, if you do that. How do you now take some lessons that you've learned and some ways of being 
and connect those dots for people who still are saying, I want the next thing, I want the next thing, I want the next thing. I got the wife, I got the family, I'm living in the apartment that I love, I have a house at the beach, I'm da 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 da. Yeah. How do we connect the dots for the people that are in business and don't have any heart? They don't, they don't, they don't have feelings about the world. They don't have feelings about the planet. They don't, they don't see the res, the results of their actions. <clears throat> what do you got, Mr. Yeah. Strategist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the first and most important, um, you know, like strategy or, or tip or way yeah. is to is coming from as you said not from a place that is separated because i see so many people you know and in the end there are different groups in the world you know there is the hippie groups or the the environmentalist groups or the business groups and the traditionals and the the, and the religions and and all of that and each group sees themselves as separate than the others and tries to tell themselves why they're better and why they are right and those are wrong. And coming from that place of trying to teach someone, and also I, I can or we can or anyone can, can be like, okay, now I have the answers or I am better than you or I have more knowledge or whatever and I'm going to teach you. And that just doesn't work. And the reason that it doesn't work is that it's not true. It's because it is just not true. And the teacher doesn't really have more uh, than the student. She does, but she also doesn't. And I believe that as we, and as myself, we perceive the world and others not as um, inferior or superior to us or separate from us, but realize that in the end, we're all humans and we all have the same needs and desires and fears and we have also gone into that as well, as well in the past of so really talking about these basic fears and desires and needs and, and that, you know, psyche, that human being that we all are. And that is, and, and from that place of instead of trying to teach someone, but let's experience something together. Let's go on a journey together. We're in a journey where we both explore something new, where we both learn because I'm, I don't see myself as someone who has now got all the answers and, and now coming to teach, but as someone who is still learning. I am still learning, and I'm also trying to give away and teach as, as much as I can as, and from that place also to learn. So that is like the first, I feel, the most yeah. important thing. Okay, so that's like the bottom line. The underlying bottom line is that everybody really – it, when you cut us open, we're all organs and flesh and blood and hearts beating, etc. So that's like the bottom line. But then there are like the people with, you know, recently you told me that you were in, I think you were in New Zealand. And someone invited you over and then they invited everyone that they knew over and they said, you know, we want people to, let, to hear you. Well, why? Why did they want... Why did they want them to hear you? Why didn't they want to, why didn't they want to talk to them? Yeah. They invited over all their friends. They could have talked to them, but they wanted them to hear you. What is it that they wanted them to hear from you? Yeah, I feel it was, um, it was two things. One was the, the, the information part or the words or the content, um, which was just, 
uh, talking about those many things that we either don't talk about or we don't even really know how to put them into words. Mm-hmm. Talking about these things that we all experience uh, of, about life, you know, what, what, what is life? You know, these big questions and what is our shadows or, or sexuality or uh, mind and how to work with our thoughts and, and, and all on so many things that they've never heard before but really struck them and really touched them. So that's one thing. And I feel the other, which was from the feedback actually that they gave me after, after that, the talk that I gave there was um, that it was actually more than the words and information, but the energy um, that they felt an expression of something um, that gave them, uh, gave them something that they've read about, but then they saw it. And I believe that, that expression of something, which is in the end, it's an expression of, of, of life, of being alive and moving in life from that place of, of freedom and aliveness. And that's something that ignites people and then encourages them to ignite more people. And that's how it works in the yeah. NIC. That's how it works. That's it. It's really, it's like a transmission. Exactly. It's a transmission of life. That can't, it's, that very few words you can just use to describe it. It's just a transmission. It's a live transmission of the life force. And everyone has it that's alive. But they don't, they don't consider it. They don't look at it. They don't think about it until they see it in somebody else. When they see it in somebody else, it gets sparked. And then they're never the same, but they didn't do anything. All they did was be present. Yeah. And one thing that is very important is that sometimes when we see it in someone else, we then project on them that it's theirs and that Daniel, he is like this and like that, but actually it's not mine. Um, it happens to come through me, but it's not mine. And I believe that the best thing we can do when we have that experience of receiving such a transmission from someone is actually to look where that thing already exists inside of ourselves. So good. Ah, that's so good. So before you went on that journey, you started the journey. That's where I met you sort of in the beginning of the journey or maybe a third of the way in. And then you went more because it's been a year you had needs like you had sort of uh you had ego needs to for recognition and to make sure you were making your mark on something you know like you had like very strong uh, achievement uh orientation and now you you relaxed into that so you want to say a little something about that and that because uh, i feel like that's a transmission <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's give that transmission. Let's see what comes. <laughs> how did you? How did you get? How did you relax? How did you yeah. stop worrying about whether you were seen or not? Yeah, there was um, um, a sentence that a great teacher of mine, a dear friend that you know as well, Bruce Wurstein, told me when I was in Israel before I I went on that journey. Um, he told me that true freedom is not for the self but it's from the self. And back then I didn't really know what he meant. I only realized that later, a few months later, when I was uh, in Finland on that island, um, where I 
didn't have anyone to look um, at me or judge me, or I, there was nobody to impress, nobody to earn their recognition. Um, and that point of full freedom of no thoughts and no plans and no one to impress, impress and no judgments and really nothing. And being in that freedom was, was such a liberation that I've never felt before. And um, only then I realized how much, although I perceived myself as um, a pretty conscious person and, uh, and humble, um, but still in my um, subconscious, there were many parts of myself that did want the recognition and did want to, to belong and feel uh, wanted or desired or appreciated. Um, and I realized uh, that liberation from these things um, really gave me that taste of freedom that I didn't taste before. And I feel that it's not that all these things are bad. It's not that, you know, we have to, and, and sometimes people from that place of freedom, you know, they go to be monks or uh, go to live in some cave or somewhere in, in a village in some nature and something, you know, retreat from life. Uh, because suddenly they can, they don't really need that recognition anymore. So they can allow themselves to do these things. But actually what I realized then was that, yeah, I could do that. But that also gave me an opportunity to, for the first time of my life, be fully alive. Because, you know, it's like, it's like a dream that when you don't know it's a dream, you'll be very cautious about what you're doing and you wouldn't want to sleep anywhere and you would, would want to be very um, cautious to, to be safe. But then if you realize it's a dream, you can suddenly enjoy and you can climb and you can jump and you can do different sorts of crazy stuff. And that is really how I, I saw life back then when I had that realization. Suddenly I could do so many things um, because I wasn't, uh, caged or chained um, in these ways that I yeah. used to be before. I love it. I call that like freedom from public opinion, but it's bigger than that because it's also freedom from internalized public opinion. Like it's not only what I want you to think of me, but it's what I think you will think of me. It's all in here. Yeah. It's going on in here. And it doesn't, it's like, oh, it's so yeah, it's like walking, yeah. It's like walking through peanut butter. You can't. Yeah, and now you know with Instagram and Facebook and social media and and you know also those uh, Forbes lists, which is I'm grateful for that. It opened different doors and, and things in my life. But still, we see all these lists and all these news and all these things about those people who have achieved this and that. And then we compare ourselves to and to those people who post these things on Instagram. Oh, I, I also need to have that car. I also have, need to have that title. And then we actually don't live life to the fullest because we're so much invested in our persona and creating that persona that we think we, will make us happy. But usually it doesn't really work. Yeah. Really good. Really, really good. Really great stuff. So... My my final question really is um, how if people want to get in touch with you, 
I clearly, I, I think you have wisdom to share, you know, and that's what I think of you. And so don't take that too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> you know, or I will go to another island. <laughs> <laughs> My gift to you is really love. I don't have any, I have no other gift really, except that my heart feels your heart. And it did, you know, from the moment that I met you, I, you don't have to worry about what I think. But anyway, but people who are hearing this show may think something. They may think, oh, I need to know how he got there. He got there quickly. You know, uh, maybe there's something they need to learn. So what is the best way for people to be in touch with you? or to find out about you or to find out about your movement in the world? How, how should they, how should they find you? Yeah. Um, so first I'm definitely encouraging whoever feels a call to, to get in touch, definitely mm -hmm. to do so. Um, and you can find me on Facebook or on LinkedIn. Um, also you can put my email address um, and then you can send me an email. Uh, I will probably have some website or other sort of thing in the near future. So that will also be an option. But for now, I guess Facebook or email or LinkedIn would be the best. Okay, so I'm going to spell your name so people can look you up on Facebook, and then you'll have to give us the email. So it's Daniel, so you spell Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L. And his last name is Leviathan, so it's L-E-V-I-A-T-H-A-N. Okay, but... I think I remember that when you put it together for Gmail, you only have one L. So it's Daniel. That's correct. I remember this. So it's Daniel. <clears throat> leave out the second L that starts Leviathan. So it's like Daniel E V I A T H A N at Gmail dot com. Is that right? That's great. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I just remembered that. He took out one L, so that makes it, you know, that makes it mm. unique. All right, so get in touch with him. He has a lot of wisdom. Um, I would say, you know, when I, when I was like, probably when I was like 10 or 12, I felt like I was 90. You know, I felt like I could speak to like really old, wise people that people my age, like they didn't have anything to say. Um, and I feel like you're like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have, you know, young age, but you have old wisdom. And it's probably because uh, from a co many combinations of reasons, but I love the stuff that you said. I, I applaud your parents when you, when you, um, when we finish this, tell your mother, like, what a great thing somebody said. Because, you know, I was an educator. I start, This career that I have now that's about a sex educator, I started by teaching young people. I was an elementary school teacher. And um, I, the first thing I did was throw away the books because I felt like these kids aren't learning anything. I'm going to teach them life. And that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> that's but, what you do. So... Yeah. Anyway, wonderful to have you. Thank you so very much for being my guest today. Please keep doing what you're doing. Please. Not like you could do anything else, but I just, I'm your fan. <laughs> Thank you. And I appreciate it. And I'm your fan as well. And looking forward to seeing you again. And I love you and I appreciate what you do. And Thank, thanks you. For, thank you for having me.
Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thanks for being my loyal listeners. And um, please stay tuned next time when I'm going to have an amazing guest. My guest is uh, somebody who helps people who don't know how to carry on conversations, like take conversations to the next level. Like he has a cadre of people who do role plays on the telephone so that, especially for men, who don't know how to take the conversation to another level with women that they're attracted to. This happens a lot with people with Asperger's and people who just don't, they socially, they don't have the skill. And so this man trains them how to have conversations, like conversations that you and I might take for granted. So he'll be my next guest. So please tune in then. And this is Laurie Handler saying goodbye for sex and happiness. Namaste. And Daniel, love you. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.